The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Welcome. It has become something of a mini tradition for Thanksgiving week for the members of the School of Divinity to share publicly some of the things for which we are most grateful for. And that is good because Thanksgiving or thanks, the giving of thanks is something that the scriptures present as normative for the people of God. It is good for us to give thanks. It is good for us to hear others giving thanks because I have found that oftentimes hearing someone else give thanks prods me for the things that either they are thanking God for that I was not mindful of or to consider other things for which I am thankful. And so it is our desire that this would be used of God to please and glorify him to edify us. And so hear the words of scripture from Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's pray. Our Father, it is good for us to give thanks to you. And Lord, we confess that in any moment, in any day, whatever thanks we render you is but a fraction of what you are due. But we pray that you would inhabit us with your presence as we just celebrate your goodness in our lives, that you would be pleased and glorified and that we would be built up to trust you, to obey you, to reflect upon your goodness, not simply at this time of year where we do so in an intense way, but more characteristically. Lord, where there is grumbling, replace it with gratitude. May we be people whose lips and hearts are ready 
to bear witness to your goodness. And so, Lord, we offer this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since I'm here, I'm going to start. And the thing that I am grateful for is actually something that is quite common. But I have become increasingly grateful for it, and that which I'm grateful for is walking. Just the ability to walk. Um, I started several months back being more disciplined about trying to walk. It was mainly for my health. And um, we have a long tree-lined road where we live. And I started walking it, um, and just walking to the main road and back, and that would take me about 30 minutes. After a, whole, after a while, when I got to the main intersection, I looked down the road and thought, I think I'll try to walk to the train tracks one day. And I started walking to the train tracks and back. And then I would look down the road further and I'd pick out a sign or a telephone pole and um, that would be my goal to extend my time walking. And I would do that. And one morning I woke up and as I started walking I realized that I was actually looking forward to this. What had started as a, a discipline that I felt was necessary but I wasn't all that excited about had become something that I was actually very eager for. And I thanked God. I remember the one morning I was just like, God, you worked a habit in me, a love for this in me, and I'm grateful to you for it. And now when I do get out, I, I walk for maybe like an hour at a time. And the Lord has taught me such valuable things through that time. And so my gratitude is really related to that. And here are some of the things that I am grateful for about walking. Number one, the Christian life is frequently described as a walk. In the book of Ephesians, it's only six chapters, uh, five times Paul will refer to our Christian life as a, a walk. For example, um, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works that we might walk in them. And as I walked, I, I would just think a, a walk is just a succession of steps. It can be easily overwhelming to think about the whole of the journey, but a walk is just a moment-by-moment -moment thing. When I go out walking, I spend time praying. And I can pray out loud. It's no one around me. I am kind of like mumbling under my breath, but I'm able to focus, and I have come to really, really love that time with the Lord. And one of the things that I have really enjoyed about this time of the Lord is that I have been struck with the glory of creation. There are times when I have been walking down that road and I have seen hawks or just the formation of Canadian geese and just marveled at how God created them to do that V-shaped pattern or deer that have crossed my path just hearing or seeing the beauty and the brilliance of the foliage of the fall 
there have been times when, as I've been praying, I've just said, God, your handiwork, your power, your artistry is awesome. And thank you that I get to walk through it and marvel at you. There is a line from Elizabeth Barron Browning's poem, maybe you have heard it, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pick blackberries. I have been so captivated by the, the wonder of God in terms of what he has made in creation and being able to enjoy it. To think that the one who made this is my father through Christ. And I'm grateful for that. And finally, about 10 years ago, my best friend around Thanksgiving time suffered a massive stroke, left him paralyzed on his left side, his arm and his leg. And he has had a very long and arduous, painful, emotionally and physically time of rehab. He is one of the people for whom I pray regularly when I walk. And I think about how much he would love to do what I'm doing. And there are frequent times when I am walking, when I say to the Lord, Father, I thank you for this step, and this step, and the next step, because you don't owe me any of them. I have no claim or entitlement to any of them. Every step is a mercy. Thank you. There is so much in what we think is ordinary and routine to give thanks to God for. And so I am very grateful for being able to walk. I'm Don Cheney. For those who have never had me before, and I haven't been in chapel for a while to speak, but honestly, thank you. <laughs> Keith was talking about a walk, and I was thinking about a book, and that my life has been like a book, but it only opens one page at a time. And I don't know what kind of book it is all the time. Sometimes it's a mystery book. Uh, sometimes it's a comedy, and a lot of times it's a tragedy, uh, but it's this book that God has given to me. When I, I think about giving thanks, I'm like Keith, there are so many little things that I've thought over life that we just take for granted, and I'm thankful to God for just the appreciation of little things. I don't have to have big things to be happy or to be satisfied. I can be content with spaghetti. I don't need filet mignon. I can be content with a hot dog. I don't need some big fancy meal. I can just be happy with the little things because God has put joy in my heart. I was thinking about this this year and, and there are things that I would say I'm thankful for that didn't happen 
Nobody in my family had COVID. Nobody in my family died. Health worries that were in our family turned out not to be of a concern. And those were the things that didn't happen. And then there were those things that did happen that I'm thankful for. My mom turned 91 years old in June. Yeah. And because COVID had, list, had lifted, we were able to go down and be with her for a week in Savannah. And it was such a wonderful time as a family to have my brother and my sister and all the spouses there with my mom. My wife's name is Jan. And this year we will celebrate 44 years of marriage next month. Yeah. I have three children and three grandchildren. I love them all. And they're a joy. A pain sometimes, but a joy. I've had the opportunity to be in the Word this year and in prayer in ways that I haven't in some previous years. And I've just felt the the joy of having that time in the word and having time in prayer. I enjoy using the gift that God has given to me here to teach at Cairn and also to be a part of my local church. A wonderful thing. This past year, I've come to appreciate even more what it means to be in Christ. What a marvelous thing, in Christ. I wrestled with frustration I wrestled with fear, but I found God adequate in all things. So there are things that did not happen. There are things that did happen. And then there are those things that are always true to be grateful for. God is good, and he is good all the time. Jesus paid for my sins, and I am free to enjoy him. The Holy Spirit continues to sanctify, comfort, and guide me. Grateful for that. In short, I'm blessed in many ways, even the hard things of life. Unto the Lord. Why? Because he's good. And his mercy endures forever. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah! I thank God for saving me. You see, you don't know me like I know me. You don't know the pit that God brought me out of. I know about it. And I give God thanks. God blessed me with a wonderful wife. I'm telling you, he couldn't have done no better. When God gives you his best, he cannot do better than that. Two children and their spouses, five grandchildren. I give God glory and thanks because he has made me an exceptionally 
rich man. The bank account is low. <laughs> but his goodness in my soul is overwhelming. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. I will bless him at all times. This year has been one that I will never forget. It started off with my mother being ill and dying in February. But I will bless the Lord because I know her forwarding address. And one day, I'm living in Christ so that one day that same address will be mine. I'm living by faith, trusting God step by step. One day, we'll be united again. This summer, was unprecedented for me. I was sick all summer, and at times I even despaired of life because I wasn't getting any better. But God, and when God lays me down for a season, he speaks to me in ways that I couldn't hear when I was moving around and doing his will. He lays me down and he talks to me. And I come out of it on fire to tell what he's shown me. I will bless the Lord at all times. And then my brother-in-law died. While I was yet sick, had to go to Virginia to conduct his service. But I will bless the Lord at all times. And then my sister-in-law died. Her funeral was Saturday. But I will bless the Lord at all times. And as I think about all the different things that God has allowed to come upon me, all of the things that I have dealt with as I walked with the Lord over these 40-plus years, he's fulfilling a desire that I have in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him. I don't want a surface knowledge of God. I don't want a shallow life with God. I want to know him. I want to hear his heart beat that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and then the fellowship of his suffering. If you're going to really know God, you're going to have to go through something. 
and I thank God for everything I have gone through up until this present time. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. God bless you. Good morning. This pulpit's on fire. It's hot. The psalmist said, one generation shall declare thy works to another. And I am so grateful that these older men are sharing with us young people what God is. I'm, I'm getting a blessing. I'm getting a blessing. Forty years ago, 40 years ago, I stood in this spot, a Christian for maybe two years, a student at Cairn, and I told of what the Lord has done for me. Now, 40 years later, I'm grateful by his mercy that I can continue to tell of his ongoing faithfulness to me. Genesis 39.10, Jacob said this. As he left the promised land 20 years earlier, he said, God, if you carry me and protect me and bring me back to this land, you'll be my God. And 20 years of tough sledding away from the Holy Land as he came back, dreading that his brother Esau still had a grudge and wanted to kill him. That night as he wrestled with God at the, at the river, he said this, and, and this truly is such a precious verse to me. He said, Lord, I am so unworthy of two things, your mercy and your faithfulness to me. Because when I left this land, all I had was a staff. And he said, now I'm coming back with two companies, which was all of his family and all of his blessings. And I often, I often think of that verse. I was so lost. And now, as my brothers and I testify, we have so much in Christ family, relationships, blessings. But I have just one thing, the Lord, that I feel like he's, he taught me and I want to share with you as, as an encouragement. Years ago, I heard somebody say this about being a Christian. We all know we're aliens and strangers. This world is not our home. So somebody said, don't, don't drive your tent pegs too deep in this world. In other words, don't get too comfortable with your possessions and your accumulating and stockpiling stuff and having your career and your job. And while that's true, there's something that's even more important that the Lord recently taught me. And that is hold on to everything lightly. Particularly those things and most importantly those people that you love the most. Some of you probably know my story, but I have a son named Jordan. He's 37 years old and Jordan's a precious, godly young man. But Jordan had a very difficult childhood. Um, he was struggled with some endocrine issues, made some poor decisions, and ended up being a heroin addict. And it didn't look like he would live to be 21. But by the grace of God, the Lord rescued him, saved him, turned him into a godly man of prayer and wisdom, 
He teaches special ed, working with autistic children, married a godly woman, hands down is in the word and prayer, and is exemplary to me in his marriage and his life. And he was told because of his endocrine issues, you'll never be able to have children. But by the mercies of the Lord, completely without any you know, special medical assistance, they have a little girl. Praise God. Her name is Esther. But he, here's what the Lord taught me. This summer, my son had a little spot on the back of his leg about that big, a little red spot. And they went to the dermatologist, and it, they said it's probably psoriasis. So recently, he has these spots all over the back of his legs. And he sent it to my daughter, who's a physician assistant, and she sent it out to everybody and um, came back. That looks like lymphoma. And so I went back to the dermatologist, and I, I read an article on this type of lymphoma and said, often mistaken for psoriasis. So he went and had um, biopsies, blood tests, and that weekend I went away with some friends to the Poconos overnight. And as I, as I sat on the porch with my friend and I thought to myself, I could lose my son. And as he said to me, Dad, he said, it's not that I don't want to die. I don't want to have somebody else raise Esther. I wept. I sobbed my soul out. Not angry, not bitter, not even distressed in the sense of what's going to happen to him. I just couldn't come to, to grips with the idea of holding his hand and saying goodbye to him. And as I, as I sobbed and wept my heart out with, with a great hope, there was such peace. I was like, it's not that I don't know where he'll be. It's not that I'm worried about his future. But the idea of losing him was so overwhelming. But as I was weeping and, and, and just thinking, God, if I have to let him go, I have to let him go. I, I literally lifted my, my hands up and I, and I thought of Abraham with, with tears streaming down my face. And, and true, only grace, only God's grace can enable us to let go of something that we're holding on with deep love. Like you'll get it when you have kids, when you have grandkids. Jacob once said, my soul is bound up in the life of that child. And so, so lifting him up and saying, God, if, if you want to take him, um, was, was a test that I, I, I just never envisioned would happen to me. But long story short, praise God, he got all the tests back. It's not cancer. Okay, so we can celebrate that. Praise the Lord. And I do. Thank you, Jesus. But what I feel like the Lord wants all of us to come to grips with, me too, as a continual reminder is, even if it was cancer, praise God, because he's good. So from now on, when we sing the song, and if you've had me in class, you hear me say this all the time, don't sing cavalierly, you give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Sing with trembling. You give and take away. You give and take away. I pray my heart will say, blessed be your name. So what God taught me is a couple things. Number one, hold on to everything loosely because they're not yours. 
Don't let them become your life. If you're building your life on your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your parents, your job, or whatever, that's what Jesus called building on sinking sand. So hold those things loosely, and then remember this, that even if Jesus is all we have left, Jesus is all we need. Pray that all of us, by the grace of God, and like the psalmist can say, Lord, who do I have in heaven but you? And beside you, I desire nothing on earth. So may God help us to pry our fingers and hold loosely every blessing he's given us, every person that's dear to us. But truly to be able by his grace, if necessary, to say, you give and take away. My heart, I pray, will say, blessed be your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. morning and happy Thanksgiving. My name is Jared Bryan. I teach in the School of Divinity with my brothers here as well. And uh, hope you guys are looking forward to Thanksgiving break. I, I sure am. I wanted to share with you a, a way, a thing that I'm thankful for, a single thing that has, that has three tiers to it. And the thing that I'm thankful for is Christians. So you all are part of that. And it has three tiers to it, and each of the three tiers begins with the letter U. I don't know how that happened. But, uh, and, if, and if you don't know what the words mean, don't, don't worry, I'll explain them to you. The first is that Christians are ubiquitous. Christians are ubiquitous, which means that Christians are everywhere. Everywhere we go. This week, not even including Cairn students, I had conversations with Christians from the East, from the South, from the Midwest, and even the Pacific Northwest, and I got to hear all of their stories. And you all sitting here, this is really a great picture of how Christians are ubiquitous, because we're not all from Langhorn. We're from everywhere, but we come here together to join, uh, to be with each other as Christians. The second is that the Christian faith is univocal. The Christian faith is univocal in that there's one clear message that all of us confess. So, in light of the different traditions that we may have or the different practices as part of our churches, we have one central message with Father, Son, and Spirit as central to our faith. And finally, I'm thankful that Christianity is universal. That Christianity is universal. It is for all people. It is for each person. So whether you are rich or poor, young or old, this person or that, or a person of faith from the first century or the 21st century, we all possess the same faith, and that faith is for all of us. You all will be going home, hopefully some of you, I guess, not all of you, to Christian families over Thanksgiving, and I hope that you can enjoy that fellowship. For those of you that do not have Christians in your family, you can go to be with your churches and have a broader sense of the Christian family. But I do hope that you remember that Christians 
are everywhere. Christianity is for all of us with a singular message. That's encouraging to me, a comfort to me, and I hope it is to you as well. I'm Matt Mikulak, and sorry if I haven't met you yet. I'd love to get to know all of you, and we're thankful for all of you. Seems like a common theme today that we're talking about the goodness of God, regardless of the circumstances. Sometimes we thank the Lord through tears, other times with great exuberance, and I want to thank the Lord for so many things. I'm thankful for all of you, and thankful for his faithfulness and the real hope that he brings. I hope that all of you realize what we're saying is that all of us are testifying to the fact that God's real, isn't he? Yes, he, he really is real. And what he's come to do impacts us every day of our life. So um, this past year was a very challenging one for our family. On April 22nd, my dad became suddenly very ill and he was on a ventilator for five months. It reached a point in September where he realized that his days were very numbered and I saw my dad's faith all through my adult life, and you know, I wondered how he would respond to this crucial moment, and I'm thankful to say that he put his trust in the Lord, and he was such an example to me of what it means to have someone who's looking ahead to their great hope. It's a hope that's not like, I hope something will happen, but it's sure, isn't it? And I could see that in my dad's life and in his heart, and God gave me the privilege to be there when he took his last breath, and when he closed his eyes here on earth. But what I didn't get to see was that the angels then escorted him into the Lord's presence, and he opened his eyes, and he was in God's presence. I didn't get to see that part, but I know that happened, and I could see it on his face before he went home to be with the Lord. What a wonderful life that God's given to us now, and the hope of a resurrection in Jesus. He truly is the resurrection and the life, isn't he? Our Lord Jesus. And, you know, I wanted to just tell you another short story about one of my grandkids, and I, ha I had to bring a picture of my grandkids, right? So we now have six grandkids, and boy, what an amazing teacher they are to me. I worried about my kids and prayed for them often, but I think it reached a new level with my grandkids. Oh, my goodness, I love them so much. I'm not saying I love them more than my kids. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Might be true, I'm not sure, but... <laughs> but one of my grandkids, Wilbur, he was our very special grandchild. I have a picture of him too. He was born with Down syndrome and Kleinfelder's disorder. And let me tell you, God gave him a special gift to draw people together to point them to God. And all through his life, every day of his life, he has had that gift and people praying for him. When he was just two months old, the doctors told us that he had to have heart surgery probably immediately. He had a, a hole in the middle of his heart that had to be repaired. One month went to the next, and the doctors kept saying his compression is fine. He can keep going. He can keep going. Two and a half years old and still didn't need the surgery. Then suddenly it came. The doctor said, this is it. We have to do open heart surgery on Wilbur. And, you know, all of us prayed, and some of you in this room prayed. People all around the world prayed for Wilbur. And God answered so powerfully that um, they told us that Wilbur would be in the hospital for maybe two weeks, he'd be in intensive care for several days, and then the hospital after that. And you know, the doctor came right after the surgery to my son, and he said, isn't that lucky? 
and my son said, I'm not, my son said, I'm not sure I know what you mean. He said, your, your son's heart, it grew like an extra flap and it covered over the hole. That's how he could go so long without needing the surgery. What luck. You know, it's funny how people look at things differently because we all know it was a direct answer to the prayers of God's people. And Wilbur came through the surgery and four days after the surgery, we were watching his little sister, Lucy, which was awesome. And uh, we got a call from my son and he said, we're on our way home. And I said, oh, you're gonna leave Wilbur in the hospital? He said, no, Wilbur's in the car with us. We're going home just four days after his surgery. So we packed everything up and we were getting ready to take Lucy back home too. And I was honestly preparing myself because I knew that when I went into the house, I'd see Wilbur with all the tubes coming out of him, laying in his bed, and I had to prepare myself mentally. And so we got to my son's house and went in the front door, and there was Wilbur sitting at the kitchen table eating Chick-fil-A waffle fries. <laughs> Pop up, waving to me. Boy, God's power, right? God's amazing healing power. We thank him through the tears, and we thank him through the good times. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We really do thank him. And just a few weeks ago, we added another little grandson. This is my grandson, Kent, just came into the world, and we're thankful for him. He's also an answer to prayer. He had a one in four chance of having a, a deficiency, a genetic deficiency called MCAD, but the Lord chose not to, to give him that. And so we're so thankful for Kent. You know, you, you could hear a common theme all through today, can't you, that that God's goodness, he's constant in our life, he's faithful, he's the resurrection and the life. We're on a mission from above, aren't we? And if we turn, if we turn and come back to him, he forgives our sins and we take our life then and we give it to him. Holy, give, give our lives over to him. We're thankful to the Lord. My name is Bill Cruson. I teach in the School of Divinity as well. And I'm thankful, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm thankful for miracles because you've just heard a gospel choir and six preachers in almost 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> but, I, but I would like to say, and I'm the last one, I'm grateful for something that happened to me 45 years ago, as well as two days ago. So two days ago, I was in Texas with some of my colleagues for a conference, and I met Will Varner. You don't know his name. But we got together, we had dinner, and then after dinner, we talked a little more, and tears came to both of our eyes when he said, you know, I don't know when and if I will see you again. He lives in California. He teaches at a Christian university there. And the reason his and my eyes welled up with tears was because 45 years ago, he became my mentor. When I was a junior in college, and I went back to my home church. He was the pastor, and for two summers, he and I, in an internship program, got to know each other, 
love each other. And I said to him, Will, there's not a day that I stand in the classroom that I don't wonder, how would you teach this? Or a day that I stand in the pulpit, I'm a pastor too, how would you preach this? Do you have a mentor in your life? 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, the things you have heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, then entrust to reliable or faithful people who will be qualified to teach others. Did you hear that? From Paul to Timothy to others to others. I have somebody like Will who's eight years ahead of me biologically, miles ahead of me spiritually, and I've been led along the journey of life by him. I want to say I also have some people behind me that I hope look to me in the same way. Do you have somebody on both ends of your life? A little bit ahead, a little bit behind. You know why? Because we can't walk this journey on our own. I'm thankful. Hope you are too. Now it's time to stop. Let's stand. I'm going to dismiss us with a benediction from the book of Hebrews. And we'll go with God's blessing. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And we all say, Amen. Amen.